Hi, and welcome to The Other Half Podcast, the podcast that helps women navigate their careers in tech. I'm Joe Keneally, a longtime tech veteran and writer who has worked in companies of all shapes and sizes, from startups to big tech. And I'm Jerisha Nadaraju, an experienced product ops leader, speaker, and podcaster who has worked at scaling fintechs in London. We're two friends who have worked together, traveled together, and supported each other through the highs and lows of a career in tech. Over the years, we spent countless hours messaging each other about all the big and small challenges we faced as ambitious women in the workplace. We realized that the things we were talking about with each other were being experienced by so many women around us. Women who felt like they couldn't get ahead and were thinking of leaving tech altogether. This made us mad, so we decided to do something about it. We're bringing our conversations to life and providing practical advice to help ambitious women navigate the way. We've partnered with Hertility for season one of The Other Half. Irregular periods, hormonal acne, whether these symptoms sound familiar, you've been trying to conceive for a while, or are starting to think about your future family options, you deserve to know exactly what's going on inside your body, ovaries, and all. Get absolute complete clarity into your hormones and fertility with Hertility's at-home test and clinical services. Listeners and subscribers to The Other Half, based in the UK, get £10 off Hertility's at-home testing kits by using the code T-O-H-P-O-D-10. On today's episode, we're joined by Tracy Young, founder and CEO at TigerEye. She's also a visiting partner at Y Combinator. TigerEye is Tracy's second startup. Her first company, PlanGrid, was acquired by Autodesk for $875 million. In this episode, we discuss the lessons Tracy learned as a first-time founder and how she's doing things differently the second time around. We also discuss the unique challenges she faced being a woman in that role, including navigating pregnancy as a founder. Tracy, welcome and thanks for joining us on the Other Half podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good storming over here, but I'm really excited to talk to both of you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. I know as soon as you got confirmed as a guest, Joe was like losing her mind. She was so excited. Yeah, to Thanks. be honest, I've been quite a fangirl for a while and I've been in a rabbit hole of all your interviews this week. So very excited to speak with you. Tracy, I guess to start us off, could you just share a bit about your background and how you first made your way into tech? Sure. So my parents are refugees of Vietnam War. I was the first person in my family to be born in the United States, and it's really incredible. I've got to live like the quintessential American dream. My parents worked seven days a week. Uh, they had very little time. They worked two jobs apiece. We didn't have much, but there was a lot of love. And it was very clear that my parents were working their butts off so that their children, me, my sister, and my brother could live a better life than they did. I wanted to be an engineer. I was good at math. I thought I could make decent money being an engineer, and I also really loved architecture, so construction engineering seemed like a natural fit for me. And so I cut my teeth in the construction industry as a project engineer. I got to build two hospital projects, and like the first week you're on a construction project, the paper problem, and this is uh, 20, 2008, the paper problem is obvious to everyone involved. There's just a lot of paper and we're building, we're looking at old versions. We can't make sense of what's current because, you know, like the project I, I, that I was on, a hospital project in California, there's 5,000 sheets of blueprints and they're like, like, you know, they're massive, right? And I have like a cart. I had a shopping cart because like blueprints were heavy and you load it on, you're trying to flip through and you don't know if you're looking at the current stuff, the current design. 
And then meanwhile, other people are trying to chase you down and give you a hundred sheets every week, a hundred new sheets. Something changes for various reasons. There's problems in the design or um, maybe the building owners, like I want this room to be bigger. Suddenly it's like a domino effect. Every page on, you know, on the first floor changes. And then 2010, Steve Jobs announces the first generation iPad. And my friends and I look at each other and we're like, man, this, this looks like it's perfect for construction. Maybe we could solve one of the biggest problems we have, which is version control of the construction information set, the construction record set on the job site. And I remember taking my blueprints, opening up an email and then opening up that on like Adobe Acrobat reader on iPad, first generation iPad. And a box comes up and it says out of memory. And my co-founder, who's also a construction engineer, Ryan, we looked at each other and he's like, I guess we have to build this, except that we're two construction engineers, you know, not knowing how to code. And so we convinced our three very talented software engineering friends to quit their jobs and join this project with us. And um, those were the best years of PlanGrid, my last company. And now I'm working on a new company called TigerEye. So that's how I ended up in tech. It's just like working in construction, saw a problem, and then decide to solve the problem I was experiencing. And it was just a fun project. I don't think I knew we could build a big business out of it until like four or five years in. And I woke up one day and we were making $10 million in annual recurring revenue, you know, tens of thousands of users loving us, um, five stars on the app store. And it's like, wow, actually this could be a giant business. The construction industry is huge. <laughs> and so um, the rest is history. We've just been building software ever since. That is an amazing story. And and like Joe, I also did a bit of research on you, Tracy, before this. And so I have heard bits of it, but listening to you say that now and how powerful it is and the fact that you also touched on, you know, that your parents were immigrants and were working seven days a week and you literally in a way, almost like living this American dream and you realizing all of it it's hugely inspiring I think about my own parents I'm from South Africa I'm now in London and you know the things that they did in order to get me here and now you know what I want to do going forward um there's like I don't know there's this real sense of like I must push forward and like I don't know I, I feel like I need to do things I love that the problem that you chose to solve had to do with a very real problem that you faced and so I know a lot of people nowadays also are kind of thinking, well, how do I start a business? And, you know, throwing things against the wall and trying to figure out what, what idea do I take? And yours came from a very real need. And so that's amazing that it started off as a small company without you thinking that, you know, this is going to be as big as it was. Um, very, very inspiring. Yeah, it Thank also you. Brought me back to my uni days because I'm also a fallen civil engineer who went into tech and I very much remember you know carrying those big CAD sheets around and like in the rain in Ireland wondering how that was ever going to work. One of the things you mentioned there is you know construction is a huge industry and you had a very successful exit with your first startup plan grid you know it sold for 875 million dollars which is incredible. Many people I think myself included in your position would have opted for kind of a less stressful path right you know margaritas in Hawaii or, or something else a bit, a bit more wholesome and less stressful than starting another business. What made you decide to become a second time founder? 
Oh, it's such a good question because I asked myself this question just this week with my husband, who's also my co-founder and previous co-founder of PlanGrid. Um, we woke up one morning and there's just like so much work to do. We looked at each other. It's like, why, why are we doing this again? Because <laughs> if we're lucky, we're going to be doing this for another 10 years. And if we're really lucky, we're going to be doing this for, I don't know, 30 years or something. Um, two reasons. One, I am a builder at heart. I like building things. It turns out that company building is really interesting. It's really challenging. There's so many dimensions. There's the team dimension, the culture dimension, the product and market dimension. There's competition. Timing is a component too, and everything sort of has to fall in line at the right time. It's just hard in a way that is really fun. And the other reason it makes it fun is because of the legacy solutions on the market. It's certainly an inspiration for me and the team. We all got to work for a public company, the folks that acquired us, and I got to use all the enterprise winners. And I won't name them, but you know, you're using all the startup products, and then now you're using the very expensive enterprise software solutions. And, and I was so confused because it made my entire team angry, and it made my entire team less productive. And I'm, you know, I was in a strategic position, a leadership team over on the construction business unit over at Autodesk, and I get to see how much these solutions and our tools cost. And it just blew my mind. It's like, they're not even trying. And it's like, okay, what can we do to like deploy a better tool to, to help us with this one thing? And it's like, oh, there's nothing else. It's just this one product. Like we just have to renew. And it's really, really fun to compete with fat, lazy cats. So one, it's challenging, it's fun. And two, I got to spend some time as a visiting partner at Y Combinator. And even with the reach that YC gets as a, as a venture capitalist, we just get all these, we get like 10,000, more than 10,000 applications a batch, probably more now because their investment went up. And over and over again, I sat there with my husband, who was also a visiting partner at YC and my co-founder. And we're just like, where are all the women? There's all these smart founders and we just didn't understand. Then to get to the interviews and the pool would shrink. And again, it's like, we're sit through, I don't know, hundreds of hours of interviews with founders. And they're also ambitious and bright and like brilliant. And it's just like, why aren't the women here? And mind you, these were, you know, we were visiting partners during COVID years and a lot of women were disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 and they had to leave the workforce and they had to go take care of their children. They had to take care of their families. And um, that really bothered us at a deep level because I think both of us believe that women can also make great leaders. And so starting Tiger Eye, my second startup is activism for both of us. There's one thing we want to teach our kids it's that if you're not happy about something, there is one thing you can change. And it's what you end up doing, that you can be that one statistic. And my hope is that there's other women who just look at me and it's like, well, if Tracy can do it, I think I can do it too. And my answer to them would be, yes, yes, you can. You should just try. What's the worst that can happen? You're going to fail and learn a bunch of stuff on the way. And then hopefully she inspires another woman, inspires another woman, inspires another woman. And then some change happens because I really believe that our world is in such shambles right now. I would really like to see a world where half of leadership are women at the company level, at the politics level, 
at the world leadership level, because I really believe it would make for a better world. Couldn't agree more with you. And I absolutely love that you are like approaching this from an activism point of view, because we do need more women leaders in every domain, but we need them visible and, and doing great things as well. And the thing you <laughs> touched on there about, you know, old insecure men. And unfortunately at the moment, a lot of those people are still check writers for startups. And I think that, you know, is a huge barrier to like certain startups not getting funded. Um, so for example, last year, I went through a smaller accelerator program where one of the women was pitching a fertility startup. Really important, you know, 20% of the world's population suffer from fertility problems. And the young 28 VC went, man, went, I don't understand why this is a thing. And yet in my every single conversation I'm having with my friends, women in their 30s, there's not a week that goes by where somebody isn't discussing fertility. Like it's a huge market. It's a huge problem. And we just need it's not different perspectives. We just need all of the perspectives and problems of the world being surfaced. So I love that you're blazing that trail. Yeah. And the example you gave, I just, uh, you know, that's totally his loss. It's a huge market, right? It is I, I am very lucky to have three kids, but I had fertility problems. All my friends had fertility problems, even folks who are mothers, you know, we all are aging and that's just how our bodies work. Anyways, too bad for him. It seems like a great company to fund. Yeah. And she seems to be doing well. So I'm delighted for her. Tracy, I guess on that, I mean, what you did at Plan Grid was just amazing, you know, over the course of 10 years. And then as Joe mentioned, having that very successful exit, um, you are now obviously doing Thai Guy and part of it, as you mentioned, is activism. But I guess what lessons did you learn at Plan Grid that are now sort of informing your leadership approach when it comes to being at Tiger Eye? That's a good question. Um, probably the biggest difference is we are taking our core values very seriously. I, of course, liked our core values at Plan Grid, but we didn't live by them. And I'll give you an example. We had one core value that said we wouldn't hire jerks. I think it was, it was actually, it was, we, we, yeah, we won't hire assholes. And then I think HR came in eventually and they're like, you can't really use that word. Let's replace it with jerks. So it's like, okay. But I can tell you that I probably had out of five, almost 500 people, at least a handful of people that truly were jerks. And I allowed them to stay in the building. And the signal I sent everyone on the team was that, hey, if you just perform for Plangrid, if you just perform for Tracy, you can get away with murder, right? That was a tone that I was setting. And it absolutely negatively impacted our culture when someone is just treating other people poorly and then nothing happening to them, right? We were allowing it. I was allowing it. And, um, you know, I think many people would say Plangra was a happy place, but it could have been even better. We could have done even more had I had the courage to just manage those folks out. So at Tiger Eye, this was the first thing we did. We wrote down the unnegotiable core values, the company that we want to see, really taking in mind the mistakes that we had made at Plangrid. And... These core values, we actually have another document. It's only five core values, nice and short and sweet, but we have another document that clarifies it. And it's our commitments to each other. And it's so crystal clear, like you cannot mess it up. I mean, it'll say things like, I will not speak negatively or destructively behind my team members back. If I have an issue, I'm just going to go to them 
and talk to them about it and trust that they'll take it fine. You know, if I'm being a jerk on how I deliver that feedback, they're going to let me know that it's not okay, but I'm going to trust that they're going to listen to it and see it as an opportunity for them to grow. And then I expect everyone to do the same for me. I will walk it like I talk it. And so we're so serious about our core values that we have already fired by our core values. And we're only a startup of one year old. And everyone that we interview, we send them the core values. We all remind them that this is actually like, this is serious business. We have had two people that have been in the building for less than a month that have just like quit. And it wasn't because the opportunity wasn't exciting. It wasn't because they didn't like the people. It was literally because it was a mismatch on core values because it's so strong of a flavor at Tiger Eye. And um, I would say the lesson here is fight for your company's core values. If you don't like the five that you've set in place, burn it down, rewrite them, and then live by them. Because anything less than that means it's all bullshit. Oh, there's just so much in there, Tracy. Thank you for sharing that. I think firstly, the fact that we talk about company culture a lot, I think maybe I'll say myself, I don't know about Joe, but I've become so disillusioned with cultures at startups, you know, because sort of what you see on the websites, and then when you go in there, um, it's almost like what comes through when it matters. And so as soon as you start seeing that there are cracks and that, you know, you aren't acting in accordance with those values that are there and allowing or tolerating certain behavior that goes against it, I think myself as an employee, you very quickly lose trust in that organization and the leadership team there. So I love, number one, that you've sort of acknowledged that maybe that was something that wasn't done 100% correctly when you were at Plan Grid when it came to the jerks and there was probably a handful of them there and that you are taking it so seriously at Tiger Eye and you know to the point that you know you do these commitments things and people have to to sign it or um really live it and breathe it because it almost has a ripple effect you know when that culture or the core values aren't right for employees that are maybe lower level if you have this negative experience or you're being having a ripple effect from a jerk, for example, it can knock that person's confidence. It then goes on to do things. And part of this podcast is about some of the the challenges that women face, which are often microaggressions. Um, so I think as a leader, not you, but a lot of people don't realize this massive ripple effect that can happen from just hanging on to people who actually maybe perform well, but are really toxic to the core values of your company. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just, I love that you're taking a stand on that. The best part that I didn't realize is that it's not only about the people that we end up, the sort of the collective average that we have in the company, but it also drives decision-making. We have had during like a product review, our team bring up our core values to move pixels around. And one of our core values is simplicity. And someone's like, well, you know, we if we just look at our core values, like we want to make this more simple. And then another person then brought up another core value, trust. It's like, oh, but, you know, if we did it this way, our customers would trust that what we are displaying is correct. And it was just so powerful for me to see that because that's exactly if, if the core values are written in the right way, now the team can make decisions from every vector through our values. Do you kind of see it as an experiment, Tracy? Because I know you're doing this a second time around and you did say like building startups is really hard, but it's also really fun to kind of solve these problems. So is it 
kind of an experiment or a fun way for you to see how changing things and doing things a bit differently now at the start of this startup, um, the impact that it makes. Oh, for sure. I never thought about it as, as an experiment, but it does satiate this deep curiosity. We made a lot of mistakes. We did, also, you know, we did a lot of things right. It was a meaningful outcome for everyone involved. My last company, um, but I've, we've often in, in the two years in between startups, we had a lot of thoughts around like, what if we did this? Would we have done a better job? Would we still be running the company today? And if we had a second chance, what would we do differently? And this is our second chance. I just want to see it through. I think it's going to be better, but uh, some hard work and time will tell. Oh, it sounds like you're already off to a great first track. Um, I actually have a question that I'm quite curious about. You mentioned the first time around you were more tolerant of jerks. And looking back on it, do you think that was, you know, partly maybe because you were a first time founder and there was just like building your own confidence or was it just a case of actually you know these people are really good at what they're doing and we'll just work around that or something else there was many factors involved I mean one factor that I'll give you an example of is like hey I think this person this leader in our company who has performed for the company and I'm very grateful for all the work he has done but it's just getting to the point where it's just like a little bit toxic and it's not okay the behaviors at the board level, you know, I communicate this and it's like, you know, I'm letting the board know I would like to fire this person tomorrow. And by the way, I've gotten, you know, our most important leadership to agree that this is the right decision and that we need to make it happen. Then the board's feedback is, hey, we agree with you and we support it, but why don't you go on to have your baby, go on maternity leave and then come back and then we'll, we'll talk about that and make it happen. Terrible, terrible. I just got terrible advice also. Yeah, that's so shocking. I'm not sure if your board was all male, but I've sat in on board meetings where I've been the only female. And it just, there is something missing from it. Like, you know, we need diversity of thought, but diversity of perspectives. And I think the fact you were told, wait till your maternity leave is over, as if, you know, wait until a few more months to solve this really big problem is just terrible advice all around. Mm -hmm. um, it's like moving on slightly. So you wrote this great essay a while ago called Reflections as a Female Founder. And kind of one of the things that you touched on is earlier when you were starting off as a founder, you almost dismissed the question of, you know, what's it like being a female founder? And you viewed it just as being a founder. And now maybe thought that actually being a female founder is a bit different. How do you think that your gender has impacted your experience as a founder? Well, just like the millions of people around the world, women around the world, I have experienced sexism at work and it comes in very subtle ways and sometimes not so subtle. I have been told crazy things like, I think you're too short. I think you're too small to do X, Y, Z. I think, I mean, I've gotten like, I don't think you're pretty enough to be like CEO of a tech company. And it's just like, I think I look all right. But anyways, I don't even think that has anything to do with anything. Like people have said really crazy things to me over the years. And I was lucky in that I have this personality where it's very easy for me to blow people off. You know, if I'm, if I'm not going to take advice from you, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. If, if I'm not going to take advice from you, I'm not going to take your criticism either. <laughs> like I would never ask you for advice. So please don't give it to me. <laughs> but on a personal and professional level, what I have learned over the years is that it's just much easier to be exactly who I am, warts and all, in business and in life, right? And I'll give you an example. Early on in Plan Grid, we would have all hands. And man, I would spend so much time 
prepping for all hands. I would build out these beautiful decks. I would add these fire animations and these like glitter animations everywhere. And I write in jokes and I just really thought it was my job to make all hands entertaining for the team. I would rehearse it literally a few times the night before to deliver this production. It came to a point where years into Plan Grid, there was just like, at some point, there's just so many problems and it always starts from revenue problems. There's a bunch of fires put out and I didn't have time to put an all hands deck together. And then suddenly it was like, it's time. It's time for all hands. Everyone's in the kitchen waiting for you to talk. And I just walked up to the mic and I just talked. I just monologued. It was like, all right, this is how I'm feeling right now. These are the problems in the company. These are the things we were wrong about. And this is the thing I think we need to solve. I don't know how to solve it yet, but like I could really use your help. And the team just responded to that. That was the best all hands I had given in like six, seven years. And it was so easy for me to give because it was so basic and plain and real and authentic and exactly how I was feeling that moment. And that all hands taught me so much because it just taught me a lot, right? In that moment when the team came back to me and it's like, hey, I think we can do this. Hey, have we considered these things? And then it changed the culture of the company in that, hey, Tracy's talking openly about the problems and I can talk openly about the problems. And suddenly there's just more problem solving and more work done together on the right things. And so now at Tiger Eye, we have all hands every Monday. And there's no rehearsing. It's nice that I live with my co-founder. Monday morning, we get the kids ready for school. We pack their lunches. We send them off. And then we're like, all right, let's see. Why don't you give an update on this? And then I'll talk about this. And then we'll talk about the open items. And then, you know, we just have like a five-minute quick, like, okay, these are the most important things in the company to figure out. Or these are the most important updates for the team. And then we'll just talk to the team. And then it's open discussion. And it's just so much easier to run a business this way. Because then the team is always focused on the hardest problems of the company. And the team also knows exactly how we're thinking. And then they contribute. And it's like really open. We encourage everyone to speak when they want to. And everyone participates. The worst all hands is like you monologue for 30 minutes and there's 400 people staring back at you. And then there's like any questions and they're silent. There's no questions, right? That is the first sign that that's a terrible all hands. And like, there's something wrong with the culture. There should be so many questions about the direction of the company, what our priorities are. That's when you know people are engaged, that the team actually cares. I I love that. Um, so both Teresha and I have a lot of experience being the all hands people at our various companies where you're trying to put together a great all hands. And I think- we put so much pressure on ourselves to have these like perfect all hands and you're trying to make sure that people are engaged, but I feel like the more performative it is, actually the less valuable it is, right? It's almost like if you're having to perform, you're actually having to hide something. So I think that's like a really interesting learning. I want to go back to something incredibly shocking that you said that somebody told you were you were too short to be a founder or all these other crazy sexist things that you've encountered. Like many women, I've also encountered sexism in the workplace. And just on a personal level, it makes me like so angry and especially earlier in my career I was so frustrated and it would just like consume me and I've definitely gotten a lot better at dealing with that but I would love to know like how do you deal with these instances on a personal level you said it kind of rolls off you now but like are there any practices you have or how did you develop that resilience oh I channel whatever I have inside to not let it bother me I remind myself that this is not someone I would ever take advice from so I'm not going to take their criticism and then I also give myself this wonderful, wonderful privilege of taking it as motivation. 
And I sort of look at them when it happens, or I used to. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for giving me so much motivation now to prove you wrong. I found that to be effective for me because it is hurtful. You know, it's like, oh, I think you're too young. It's like, oh, well, you're not too young, but you look too young. <laughs> All kinds of crazy things. Um, so it's really, really wonderful to be able to um, help maybe change their mindset down the road. I love that. Yeah, I think using it as motivation rather than internalizing it is definitely great advice. Also, you know, you look too young now, but then you'll be, oh, no, now you're a childbearing age. And no, no, you're too old now. There's like no right age. <laughs> so I think you just have to go for it. I know. I don't know why people are so hard on women. It's, it's like it's we can never be good enough. Yeah, Tracy, I agree with you and also what Joe was saying. I take all of those things and I do now channel any sort of anger and frustration. It's like, well, what can I do with this? What am I going to use it to? And what's the next thing? This podcast, in a way, is born out of the frustration that Joe and I have had with, you know, what's going on in tech and the fact that we are seeing women leaving tech roles. You know, they get to a certain senior level, ourselves included, thinking about, you know, do we want to stay? There's lots of things that we see that are very frustrating. And you either try and get that resilience and motivation to keep going, or it can also push people out. But yeah, we, we want to do this podcast basically to help women navigate these types of things. And I think just by hearing the fact that even someone like you has experienced this, Tracy, and some of those ridiculous comments, I think it also just helps women realize, well, okay, if this is happening to me, you know, it's happening to other people, I'm not alone. And obviously, if Tracy can use this as motivation and do these types of things potentially they can too so again I think quite a, a powerful message something else that is quite powerful and inspiring Tracy is the fact that you became pregnant while you were CEO and given how few female founders there are in the industry it's not really like there's a playbook for this or even maybe open and honest conversations happening around uh, women who are pregnant and CEO. So I'd love to understand how did you navigate that with your investors and teams? Yeah, it's really crazy. I get female founders reaching out to me all the time, not to ask me advice about their business, but literally they're like, I'm pregnant right now. Do I tell the investors or I'm pregnant right now? How do I tell the board? And it's unbelievable. It's such a natural life event. And we don't like, there's there's nothing out there. So let me tell you what I did. So I think it was like, I'm four months pregnant and it's time where I'm actually showing and, you know, the pregnancy is viable. I feel comfortable announcing it, but I was just like everyone. I was really scared to tell my board, mostly because I was also married to my co-founder and executive of the company. So there'd be two of us out in maternity, paternity leave at some point, and we'd be down two leaders. So I was really nervous about it, but I, you know, we had a regular board, our board meeting our scheduled board meeting. And at the beginning of the board meeting, it was just like, I have some really good news to share with you. Mind you, I'm very nervous right now. And we're like, we're, we're pregnant. We're having our first child. And the board's reaction was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing news. Congratulations. You know, you guys are to make great parents. It was overwhelmingly positive. In hindsight, can you imagine if there was any negative reactions or just like silence in the room, how bad it would look for the board members there? Of course, everyone was going to be happy for us. If they weren't happy, I think it's an indicator that there is something very wrong with this person. And it's not normal, right? So I would say like, I wish I could just tell myself at that point that, hey, there's like nothing to be scared about. This is like totally natural. 
it happened to my mom and dad. It happened to my grandma and grandpa. Like this has just been a continuation of our survival and our evolution is to like birth more humans and replicate. Okay, so that's how I notified the board. After that, I notified the team and I had all the leaders let the team know. And then, you know, there's like so many emails, so many messages congratulating me. And I also had team members tell me, oh, I know you're pregnant. I was like, how do you know you're pregnant? I'm not showing that much. And one of my teammates was like, I saw you eating two bagels on Wednesday. It's like, why are you watching me eating? And in that moment, I realized that the team, like many team members are actually watching their founders and leaders all the time. They're watching their every move. And I don't think, you know, I would say maybe some of them came out of just like, just this deep love and like friendship, right? This care. But I'd say most of the team, they're just watching, myself included, watching leadership to make sure that this is still a good place to work. <laughs> it's like, wait, should I answer this recruiter's call or, you know, should I still give my blood, sweat and tears for this company? That is a very interesting observation that came out of that whole thing, because now that you've actually said it, I've realized that that is very true. We we scrutinize our leaders, especially, you know, if you're employees in a company to watch for certain signals almost constantly. And I didn't even realize that that is what you do. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, very interesting. Tracy, I love that you you framed it to the board as good news. And so, you know, in even if you were nervous about it, you didn't go in there being like, oh, I'm so sorry or, or doing something, you know, where you're making yourself feel guilty about it in how you communicate to them. So the fact that you were able to say that, hey, I've got this good news, I think in a way, you, you know, you're setting the tone for the fact that this is how you're seeing it and not as something to, I don't know, stress about when it comes to the business. Mm-hmm. And then, Tracy, how did you approach returning to the business? Now, I don't know how much of time you exactly took off, but what was that like? Oh, a lot of things were happening at that point. Um, I was obviously incredibly sleep deprived and this very uh, dramatic thing happened. And so I just couldn't wait to go back to work and fundraise a war chest to compete in the market. And so I went back to work earlier than our um, three-month parental leave policy. I did let the team know, like, this is my decision and I'm actually going to take some Fridays off to be with my kid. Like, you know, this is not an indication of what I expect of anyone who's becoming a new parent. This is just what I want to do. And it's my choice. But I did go back to work also because, you know, in hindsight, if we just waited another two months to fundraise, like who cares? It wouldn't have changed the trajectory of the company. And my CFO, who was our interim CEO at the time, was running the company just fine with our other leaders. I really think I went back to work, rushed back to work because I was scared of what everyone might think of me as a new mom. I wanted everyone to believe that I was as committed to the company as ever, that just because I'm a mother now doesn't mean I love the company any less. And I thought I had to show them that by doing extra things like going back when I wasn't ready. There's, you know, of course there's stuff going on, but at a company, realistically, there's always stuff going on. There's always some, you know, there's always stuff happening. And I, what I wish I did now that my oldest is five years old now is I really wish I just took the time to be with him. He wasn't going to be two months old forever. Like I completely missed out on that. Right. And I'll never get that back. So I would tell anyone who's listening, who is going to be a parent, like just Build a business in a way and have your team back you up in a way where you can take three months off, four months off, whatever it is you need to let your body heal because 
being pregnant, giving births, having C-sections is massively destructive to the body. That's all it is. It's just, it's super, it's super destructive and you need time to heal. And if I had taken that time, I would have just been a stronger person, right? Physically for my child and for the company. Tracy, do you feel like, I remember you saying that you had kids, so like more than one. When you had your second child, do you feel like you then, you had the learnings from your first and you tried to approach balancing work and being there for your child in a different way because of what you had learned? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My second child was also a COVID baby, so we're in the middle of lockdown. But I was working for YC at the time and I just bowed out of that batch. I just like, I'll be back maybe next batch and help out but I really took the time to be with him yeah I think that is very good advice when it comes to sort of like in a way almost these boundaries and realizing that you know the company will still be there and I think the thing with all of this Tracy is about having more role models and representation and examples of people who are just doing this where it becomes the norm and it doesn't seem like, you know, what you're doing is out of the ordinary. It's just something that has to happen and it gets done. So I really hope we see more people doing this. And thank you for sharing your experience of it, because that's definitely. Yeah. yeah. And for all the moms who are working also, like we all know it's hard. It's like the kids have sleep regression. They get sick and like babysitter gets sick or like the school shut down and it's really, really hard. And it's hard for me too. And I get a lot of help and, you know, I live with my parents and they help and I have a nanny and like, just know it is super, super hard, but we are women and we are strong. We can do all of this. We can have our cake and eat it too. But I do think it's really important. And this is one of our core values at Tiger. It's really, really important that we stay wholehearted throughout all of it that I am here on this call with you two right now. And I am not thinking about my kids. I am not thinking about my work. I am just present with the two of you. As soon as we get off this call, I'm going to make sure I answer my team's emails. And then I'm just going to be a hundred percent with my kids, right? Whatever unit of time and moment we are in, we have to be a hundred percent present. When it feels overwhelming, it's when we try to split our hearts into multiple directions that I'm trying to be on this call with you. And I'm thinking about work and I'm worrying about my kids. It's that's way too much. No one's going to like, I'm going to drive myself crazy. So wholehearted is our number one core value. It's something that we remind each other every single day in our personal and professional lives. Oh, I'm taking that away with me. I'm going to try and apply that because I'm definitely someone who like flits between different things and finds it very hard to just, you know, exactly stay wholehearted and present because there's so many different ideas and things that are going on. A really good one. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to take that with me as well. It's the first time I've heard that value, which is like it's so unique and yet it makes complete sense. Um, so yeah, definitely one to take. Tracy, I could speak to you all day. I think you have so much wisdom in you and so much to offer, but we are going to have to wrap this up. So our final question for you is, as you know, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is to inspire more women to become founders or just builders and makers in general. What advice would you give to other women who are considering becoming founders? You need an example. Here I am. You can do it. You can totally do it. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail. But I will say that 
those were the, every time I made a mistake, every time I failed, like it made me a better person. That's where all learning comes from. And the worst that's going to happen is you're going to have this like aged war torn soul with like all these learnings, kind of like a good deal. And you get to be your own boss. And it might not, you know, maybe after all that, it, it might not be the right thing for you. And at least, you know, and you'll never have to regret not doing the thing you wanted to try out. Having no regrets is a lovely place to end this. Thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. It's been wonderful having you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the conversation. Yeah, it was so inspiring, Tracy. And if other guests are as inspired as both, I guess, myself and Joe are, and they want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? I'm on Twitter. I usually answer questions on Twitter too, and LinkedIn at Tracy underscore Young. Also check out TigerEye, TigerEye.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. You guys take care. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode and the podcast in general, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to The Other Half Podcast. Even better, share it with your friends and colleagues as that helps others find it. Thanks and bye for now.